0: You're looking pretty low tech there, yeah, my friend. uh, The original tech, the original tech. Yeah, but it's like it's all paper and and scribbly. Yes. Where's that? Where's that sleek screen thing? I don't need sleek screens, Tom. I've moved past that.
1: Oh yeah,
0: yeah. (laughs) You've moved past that. I'm actually going backwards from that.
1: I I live in the woods now, and I only come touch technology to tell people of my wisdom. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) To spread the word. Uh, is one of your pieces of wisdom to go live in the woods? No, they're my woods. You stay out of them. <laughs> You stay out of the woods. You stay out of my woods. Stay off my
0: lawn what and What are you out doing my in woods? my swamp? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Plus, if people go move to the woods, then they cannot be around the technology to hear the great wisdom that comes from the well, woods. Not only that, but if the other people move to the woods, I no longer get to
1: feel special for living in the woods. That's true. you know. And, I'm, and then I'm just going to move to the city and I'm going to be like...
0: You guys with your stupid woods, I've got technology. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to be cool. Plus Gilgamesh moved out of the woods into civilization. Not the other way around. I don't know who Gilgamesh is. Is that the Smurfs bad guy? No, Gilgamesh is um I believe it is a Mesopotamian myth. It's like one of the first recorded, like I don't know if you would call it piece of literature or epic fantasy or something like that, but it's it's thousands of years old. It's the first MMO. It is not an MMO. I I can (laughs) confirm that it is not an MMO, but it is a very, very old piece of fiction. And um, there's a really great podcast, actually, for anybody out there looking for additional podcasts called The Podcast History of Our World. And I don't think it's running anymore, but there are a lot of episodes. And he basically just starts at like the dawn of humanity and just does this really great telling of history, of his human history, at least. Um, and at one point, he does go through the Epic of Gilgamesh. And it's like one of the hmm. first pieces of literature he goes through. Cool. So, I'm sure there are others out there, but I know it's it's very early. Anyway, remember at one point we were talking about like A B testing our girlfriends, and how we had those like the greatest relationship advice. I vaguely remember that. You know, we were just giving all this this yes. amazing relationship advice that oh, definitely yeah. would not get you instantly dumped. It was real. It was good. Yeah. So I was thinking, what if we did a whole episode? on relationships (laughs) uh well that what could go wrong it could either be a disaster or a masterpiece or a disaster piece i was thinking that it's a good album is that an Mm -hmm. album yes and it's by it's by some video gamey chip artist Um, is that the dude who made the fez soundtrack it might be yes i think it is oh wait no maybe he maybe disaster piece is the artist Yeah, I think that's the case, yes, and he made the Fez soundtrack and some other cool things. Whatever, Fez is great, soundtrack's great, I digress. We'll link to it in the show notes. I may even have a disaster piece track on my study playlist, potentially, I'd have to go look. But yeah, so we did a five questions episode a couple of weeks ago, and we did have like one question about relationships. I don't remember the nature of the question, or no, no, it wasn't five questions, I know what it was, it was the 10 life skills episode.
1: Yes. Yeah. That's I've got what it right was. here. It was
0: like, it was, it was the last life skill that we talked about, which was basically like how to be a good significant other. Yeah. And we had a few things and people wanted more. So I figured, why don't we just chat about how to be a good significant other since both of us have been doing it for what, like for me and Anna, it's been almost five years. And for you and Ashley, it's probably not been a whole lot less time. No,
1: it's like four and a third.
0: Yeah. So, oh, so we met the same year, didn't we? Yeah. Because I met Anna October 2012, and you had known Ashley for a while before yeah, that, Ashley, but then you but, ended up dating but her. But
1: de- it's definitely, we're within like half a year span, I think. Yeah. Difference. Yeah. But, you so, know, that's, that's a decent number. I'm proud so, of it. I, I, I mark it on a little record book, personal records. Just so you don't forget every day, the anniversary. Every day, I'm like, yes, <laughs> did another day.
0: Do you know your anniversary?
1: Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. It's July 1st. Nice.
0: October Duh. 27th.
1: It's easy to remember.
0: Anna and I have good anniversaries because we can like Halloween theme them sometimes. Wait, that's my mom's birthday. Wait, is it? Wow. Well, now I will remember your what mom's a great, birthday. What a great gift. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. Isn't our um, so like, friend Alex's birthday the same as Colleen's birthday? I don't know. Maybe. So I'll never forget that one either. Um I always remember birthdays that are weird and quirky. Like your girlfriend's birthday is the 26th of December, right? Yeah. So it's like she has to hope that she gets Christmas presents and yeah, that, birthday presents.
1: Yeah. Spoilers. This act- this intro is just a bunch of hints. Give us a bunch of presents on <laughs> birthdays and anniversaries. Apparently, it's not that.
0: I don't need those things. Are our birthdays live on the internet somewhere? I don't know. I don't think they are. Mine's on my Facebook, but I'm not sure if it's public. Yeah, I don't have any idea. It's probably public on some forum somewhere where I'm like talking about Beyblades when I was 12 or something like that.
1: I am glad that I was not young during <laughs> the YouTube era.
0: Oh yeah. I was. I could have made a lot of things I didn't want. I mean, you were too, but you didn't make anything and put it on YouTube. No, I mean like now it's super easy
1: and smartphones make it so that you can do it in four seconds. Yeah. I didn't have like a webcam or anything.
0: Yep. Yeah. I remember for, for us, like my brother and I, to do our first YouTube video, we had to go out and scrounge money for probably a month or two, like mowing lawns and doing extra chores around the house. And we found this little video camera at Walmart. It was 90 bucks. And the resolution was basically potato quality and the microphone was um, essentially non-existent. Have you ever just seen like... a potato? I have seen a potato. I've filmed many videos on potatoes, as I just said. A potato is high def. Uh, is it?
1: If you hold a potato up, you'll notice that you cannot discern the atoms with your eyes. Maybe
0: I had my hand in front of the lens then. I yeah, don't know. that was probably what was going on. <laughs> we, we made some pretty stupid videos, but they were at least thought out. Stupid, but planned. I didn't have Snapchat back then. Yes. Anyway, uh, I'm anyway,
1: curious in things that make
0: have more relevance than yeah. potatoes. And- so I have a few things I want to talk about, um, which have helped Anna and I to stay together for just about five years, and to still like honestly love each other and have like a lot of fun together and be very connected. I'm glad that you said that you still honestly love each other because otherwise, if this episode was like a <laughs> secret breakup. <laughs>
1: I'm just not that happy. I'm going to be honest.
0: It's like that episode of uh, Parks and Rec where they find like the couple that are like each person is from the two sides of the rival towns and they're like, we're going to bring the towns together by showing how they love each other. And it turns out they just hate each other. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But yes, no, Anna and I have a very good relationship. I would assume that you and Ashley do as well. I would assume. You would assume so. (laughs) I would hope that you know. (laughs) The only thing I know is that I know
1: nothing, Tom. She could be faking it this whole time. It's all a trap. It could be. It could be.
0: What, what's the end game in that trap? <laughs> I don't know, but I'm open to the possibilities that I don't understand. It's, it's very true. But we're, maybe that's the first good. tip. Be open to the possibility that you know nothing, Johnson. I'm, I'm
1: going to say that there is like a 96% chance that that's dumb and that we're fine.
0: Okay. So I'm curious. How did you and Ashley get together? Um, Set the stage
1: here. I hung out with her a lot. For uh, the summer after she became single, and then, and then I talked to her a bunch when I went to South Dakota, and it turns out she was the only person I talked to a bunch. And then I came back, then we got together. It was real easy.
0: So you were in South Dakota and just like, like chatting on Facebook. or Yeah, whatever? you know, I was
1: like desperately searching South Dakota for internet because it doesn't exist there, and then occasionally I would find Wi-Fi. Oh, okay. And then I could talk to her for a few minutes. Did you not have a phone? I had a phone, but we were staying in like a mountain cabin. Mm, so I and I didn't that have I didn't have any signal I was using like cricket or some old cheap cell phone, yeah thing, but I didn't get service out there because I wasn't on like Verizon or anything, so that was over the summer then yeah, cool but, you know nothing nothing fancy there I don't have a magic event it just kind of happened we hung out a lot,
0: yeah Anna and I have a more interesting meeting story yeah that's because you didn't know her first <laughs> no, I did not I don't remember meeting actually. um this is pretty funny I've told a lot of friends this, but the first words anna ever said to me were will you marry me because so basically like you knew this one of our mutual roommates back in the day was the president of the anime club yes and they were having like their halloween party rave thing that at, they were at the college and my other roommate brandon and i weren't there we were just hanging out bored at home and we weren't members of the club like i watch anime but i wasn't that into anime but we're like we're bored let's go to Quentin's party. So we just kind of crash it and they have DDR set up and I play a lot of DDR. So I'm like, I'm going to go play that. And then from the back of the room, I just hear this girl say, Oh my God, will you marry me? And I'm like, maybe. And (laughs) then I went and talked to her and then we ended up dating in one day. Fair. So yeah, we had a very different sort of lead up to that's kind of the opposite lead up. Yeah. Actually there's like no lead up. Because yeah. you and Ashley were That's talking opposite. as friends, friends for a friends long time. Firm,
1: it's the friends first, then in a relationship, versus the just finding somebody new and being in a relationship. Yeah,
0: exactly. And we mm. totally skipped any short, sort of like dating phase, any sort of like, you know, I'm not sure phase. It was just like dating. Yeah, so whatever. Yep. It's probably fine. And at the time, I was like, am I rushing into something way too fast? This is dumb. What am I doing? But it's been nearly five years, and it's yeah. been pretty great. Apparently, so serendipity, I think, is what I can chalk that one up to, though. I do want to mention something that I didn't really think about in terms of uh, in prep for this episode, because I wanted to talk about how to keep a relationship alive and how to make it good. But there are probably a lot of people out there who are like, how do I get in a relationship in the first place? No. Yeah, that's probably a good point. And I know this 100 percent because I met Anna October 27th of 2012 from like. January of that year until that day I had wanted to find a girlfriend and I just like tried too hard and would psych myself out and I would like go to bars and try to hang out in places where I thought people would meet each other and then it wouldn't work or I'd meet people I was like not compatible with and then oddly enough you go crash a weird anime party thinking that you're not going to meet anyone that's like literally not even on my mind and there it is yeah yeah That's how that stuff like works. It's always in like you didn't plan it. It just happens when you plan it. It doesn't work very well. Mm -hmm. And I think like I think that's part of it. It is a little bit of like luck and serendipity. But I think the other part was I didn't really go in with the intention to find somebody. So I wasn't already priming myself for like the potential to get rejected or the potential to like lose out on anything or have it be a waste because it was literally just for fun. Yeah, And then even when I started talking to Anna, it wasn't like, oh, I want to date this girl right away. It was more like, hey, let's go hang out. We're all just being friends. And like as the night went on, it kind of like the chemistry started to spark between us. But it wasn't like initially I saw her and I was like, I want to go date that girl or anything.
1: Yeah. So there, the pressure was low. So you weren't like freaking out going, "Um, mm-hmm. yeah, you want to hang out sometime? You were just like, whatever. This is just some girl at the anime thing I found. Hi, I don't care. I came here with no expectations. Yeah. If I, if I leave when nothing happened, that's fine. Mm-hmm. And that allows you to actually be confident instead of like freaking yourself out, thinking, is she going to hate the next three syllables I come up with? They better be
0: good. Yeah, and I do remember like that night, I think probably because I'm pretty good at DDR, I was feeling pretty confident. So I was able to kind of exude that a little bit when yeah. we were talking. It wasn't, I wasn't timid at all. And sometimes I am. So I think being able to be confident does help. Well, it's that kind of, it's good that you were getting your
1: confidence from DDR because it's that kind of horrible circle of like being really unconfident because you're lonely. Yeah. And then being unconfident will keep you lonely. Yes. Because it's, it's like not attractive to be like super desperate or unconfident. And, and even if you otherwise are a very attractive and awesome and interesting person, mm-hmm. you're just – the first thing you show is your emotional baggage when yeah. you're like that. Even if you're not trying to, you can like – you can feel it. You mm-hmm. can sense it. And you're like, I don't know what's behind that baggage, but I don't want to gamble. I don't just want to assume it's good. So I'm going to yeah. I'm gonna go chill. So you've got to find a different thing to make yourself confident about, not be thinking
0: about relationships. Mm-hmm. And then you actually have a better chance. Well, for me, there was a pitfall that happened before I would even talk to a girl because I would go to like a bar. I'd go to some place that was kind of set up to meet people. Yeah, And then I would psych myself out either saying like oh she's with friends right now i shouldn't go talk to that girl over there or i have a zit on my forehead or some stupid thing yeah so i never even talked to her but then i would chalk it up in my mind as a failure because i had like gone out that night with the intention of talking to somebody so even without really getting rejected i was killing my confidence and i think that compounds over time and you just start to get in this rut where you're like i can't meet anybody and then you start like Yeah. And then your brain goes forward to like, oh my God, I'm 23 now. And people, you know, if they get to 30 and they never meet anybody, they're never going to meet anybody. And you like just spiral into all this like stupid worry. Yeah. That doesn't matter. And is completely false. But yeah, it can happen if you just never, if you never talked to anybody in the first place.
1: Yeah. It's just, it's just kind of dumb that it's one of the things where you're better at it if you stop thinking
0: about it Mm -hmm. so much. Did you have a moment where like you had to I guess the first question is, were you the person who like initiated the, I want to be in a relationship with you? Yes. Was Ashley? So was there a moment where you kind of had to like put yourself out there and ask that or was it more just kind of like organic?
1: It kind of just happened. It was very organic. Mm -hmm. It, It just, there was like no doubt. It just seemed right after I got back from South Dakota. It just was obvious. So there was no like risk. I didn't think there was any risk. You didn't have to say anything? Just like we kind of just held just hands immediately laying on the sidewalk. On the sidewalk? We were looking at the stars in a uh, park, okay. you know, just to paint a really romantic scene. But it became pretty obvious because every other friend had left and we were still hanging out. And it was oh, just okay. like, yeah, I really don't feel like she's just going to like be like, what are you doing? Get out of here. Yeah. No, it just it, it happened organically. So there wasn't a lot of risk at that point. Okay. But to uh, to add to the confidence thing. I had that problem where I would get psyched out all the time. And the only reason that I ended up confident enough for anything to happen in any direction was because I thought about goals and I was working on other projects that made me feel like I was worth something even alone.
0: And so without you were working those, on internal confidence.
1: I was about to start Polyglot. Okay, yeah. I was coming up with the design, I was launching it that, that summer, mm-hmm. actually. So because I felt I had a purpose other than finding a relationship, it suddenly became really easy to find a relationship. Yeah. Because if I didn't, I still knew what I was doing with my life.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes me think of something. I'm All right. So I feel like I'm walking on eggshells with this episode because I view relationships in a certain way. But with this podcast, I try to be inclusive and think about how other people view relationships where is this going so i like i i feel like i'm getting tongue tied in certain areas because i am like do i say thing x or do i have to like preference it oh, with, well, with thing y this whole episode needs to be
1: taken through like a different viewpoint because obviously it does, yeah. it's just it's our opinions and our experiences yeah. and our culture and everything like this
0: isn't objective research based evidence really no so yeah i guess let me put that up front i'm going to talk about relationships in the way that I view them and what has worked for me. And I'm going to try to be sensitive, but just realize that this is an episode through my lens and your lens. Well,
1: there's like, what other way could we do it? It couldn't be a formula. If people want this episode, then they must want our opinions because that's the only, I can't give you a formula. It's not going to work. I don't think that works. (laughs) Swipe on Tinder a whole bunch. There's the formula. I don't know. That's right.
0: Like there's going to be weird, subjective situational stuff. Mm -hmm. So given that, I feel like you're going to have a better chance of getting into a great relationship if you first work on yourself and you make sure that you have something to bring to the relationship. Yeah. And that seems obvious, but we've both known a lot of guys who don't work on themselves. And then you just kind of sit around like wishing that some girl would show up and maybe like just like them for who they are, whatever it is. And I mean, that, that's a sentiment that sounds great, but then it's just like, what, what, what do you do? Like, what are you doing with your life? You know, you want to have a girlfriend, but what do you, mm. you know, what are you cultivating within yourself that's going to attract somebody in the first place? So, so you're basically,
1: you're saying that, obviously, we want people to love us for who we are, at, at least in this time period in this culture, and, the question, it's not that if you're lonely and you just feel that way that you aren't a person worth loving, it's that if that's the only thing you show then how can they love who you are? Who are you other than just telling them you're lonely and being sad and doing nothing? Who are you first for them to learn to love? It doesn't... Exactly. You're like jumping the gun
0: a few steps. Like I feel like there's a fine line you walk there with like a incorrect statement, which is like you aren't deserving of love because X, Y, and Z or because you're not trying hard enough or whatever, which is clearly not true. And if you do these things in your life... You have a greater chance of sparking somebody's interest in the first place and giving them a reason to want to get to know you in a romantic way.
1: Well, it's like that obvious if you don't love yourself and you're not happy with yourself. Yeah. Then what's then what are they going to be attracted to if the only thing you exude is loneliness? If that's your only yes. personality trait right now. Yeah. Then is that what you expect them to go for? I mean, maybe, but that's that's not what I would do probably.
0: Yeah. And a lot of people will say, like, oh, you know, external things. Didn't work like- for me ever if you know trying to exercise more or fix your diet or dress better or whatever it is like, Oh, that's all superficial. Somebody should be able to see past that. I think that that's a nice sentiment philosophically, but realistically, like the person that you're likely to become attracted to will have some quality that they probably worked on themselves. That is attractive to you, whether it is the way they look or whether it is how intelligent they are, or whether it is their confidence. Yeah. Well,
1: whether it seems shallow or not, it's, Kind of not in a way because if I go out of my way to wear nice clothes and to be clean, shaven to whatever degree I want to be, and I try to look good, it's not necessarily shallow to find that attractive because what it also shows is that I'm the kind of person who cares enough about how I'm presenting myself. Yeah. Like I care about myself is what I'm saying. Yes. And that is a very not shallow thing to be attracted to. Mm Mm-hmm. And maybe the bodily appearance is shallow in itself, but it is a signal for something that isn't shallow.
0: Yeah. And I've taken that view into my existing relationship. One of the things that I committed to doing, and I think I committed to doing this with every relationship, but very concretely in my mind with Anna, because it's been so long term, is that I do not want to become complacent in any area, but especially the areas that are easy to become complacent in when you have a stable relationship. Whether that is. You don't have to try very hard anymore. Yeah. Whether that is dating your girlfriend, like planning things that are fun, the things that she got excited to go on dates with you in the first place to do, or making sure that you remain attractive as much as you can. Now, it's always like, there's always like two sides of the coin. Because people can say like, oh, what if you got hit by a bus or something? Would you still love me? Or something like that. It's like, yes, obviously, if if some if some (laughs) some, uh, you know, happenstance or circumstance beyond my control happens, that makes me less attractive. I would hope that the person that I have basically given my life to is going to remain attracted to me and still love me. But on the other side of the coin, if I have control over it, I'm going to do what I can to remain the kind of person that she fell in love with and that that she's attracted to. Yeah, you shouldn't take them for granted. Like, yes, because eventually,
1: in that case, you'll become roommates. Yeah, and that's yeah. well, that's a disappointing thing to run into. Mm-hmm. You don't want to just be like, "Well, I know we didn't break up, but it." I'm not actually sure we're really dating anymore. It just we're just kind of roommates now. That's not a good situation. So you don't you don't want to take it for granted, and you've got to make time for the original things because there's always going to be something that makes you busy mm-hmm. or a little
0: inconvenience. Always. Yeah and i am glad that anna is the kind of person who will push me to be like that because i do remember i was in a relationship at one point where she was the kind of person who was like i love you no matter what i love you as you are which is it's great on the surface right yeah like there's really nothing wrong with that statement to a point but i felt like there was she was like so she was so of that opinion that she wouldn't push me to change. Like I'm a very goal driven person. I want Mm -hmm. to become better. And I wanted the person who I was sharing my life with to push me to not be like, you don't need to go work out. You're just fine. I just, I love you the way you are. Or you don't need to go do that thing. I love you the way you are. Like, I guess I'm the kind of person who actually would prefer my girlfriend to be like, yeah, you should go to the gym. You haven't gone in two days or yeah, you really should try that really hard thing. Okay. Like I want somebody to push me, not just be there to comfort me and support me if I fall or if I remain as I am.
1: Yeah. There's there's kind of a like because obviously she's a great person. Hello if you happen to be listening. <laughs> and but it's like a fundamental compatibility thing. You yes. want to be pushed. Yes. So for somebody to tell you don't push yourself is just that doesn't work for you specifically.
0: Yeah. And I don't, am I wrong in thinking like everyone should do that for their significant other? Well, I mean, any statement involving everyone is going to be,
1: have a lot of caveats to it. So I don't know. I mean, I personally want that, but I'm also a very goal driven, like the, the one thing I've always been against is like, I don't, I don't want to settle because I have all these goals and settling is not a bad thing though. Right. Like if I do settle down at some point, it'll probably be because because I chose it. It's just that I don't want to settle by default.
0: Mm. So
1: what what do you mean by settle down? Like Like, stop chasing goals and just kind of accept the daily routine forever.
0: Yeah. And I don't think I'll ever do that.
1: No. See, like I don't I don't (laughs) want that. Yeah. But it's primarily because I don't want that on accident. Most of the things okay, in my yeah. life aren't that I'm against something specific. It's that I'm against doing something by default instead of with intention.
0: Yeah. I don't think it's a situation where people get in a relationship and they're like, well, I found my soulmate. Now I can just eat Cheetos and watch Friends reruns all day. Like I've been planning this from the beginning. It's more of like a daily routine thing. Time goes on. Days repeat. And you become constants in each other's lives. And then you, who are you there thinking about So it. then you stop thinking. You stop having to try Yeah, and And that's what I want to avoid.
1: I'm sure that there are some people who, like, what they want most is to be able to, like, chill and just hang out and not try that hard at athletics or something. And, like, if those people are compatible, that's great. But this don't kind of fall into a rut logic still applies there if you start to forget the things that you liked in the first place. Even if it doesn't have to do with go exercise and do all these other things, you still don't want to become such a pattern- yeah. that you take it for granted and you, it doesn't matter
0: because then you won't appreciate it. I don't know. I feel like, I feel like the person you share your life with should push you to become a better person. Now I, there's different ways to do that clearly. Right. Yeah. Because there's the, you know, drill instructor coach mentality where she's like, you need to go work out or something like that. Um. But if, if I were to, you know, have a setback or have a hardship or have an injury, obviously she wouldn't be doing that kind of stuff. She'd be supporting yeah. me or taking care of me. That's fine. I'm not trying to say that those two things are very different because in either way, their mindset is I want to help you improve. I want to help you be happy. And so I'm not trying to say like, I only want a girlfriend who just pushes me like a drill instructor would. I'm just trying to say like I think that for me and really for anybody, the person you share your life with should be somebody who has your improvement in mind. Yeah. I think you said something to this degree on that 10 skills episode where you were like, you and Ashley are separate people who have decided to be together. So every interaction you have with her and your long-term, I guess your long-term vision for the relationship is that she should be better off whether or not you're in the picture long-term.
1: Always. Like if she wanted to break up with me tomorrow, you know, first of all, I'd be pretty surprised. Second of all, what I want out of that is that both of us have grown as people and we are in a better place now than when we started the relationship. It yeah. was a good um, investment in time to use a very non-emotional word. But yeah. I want her to grow and and I want to encourage her and I want to help her follow her goals and dreams and, and passions in a way that, and, and even be financially stable on her own. And obviously that equation changes a little if you get married and have children because then the financial thing, you need to balance a little differently. Yeah. But I think when you when you
0: have children especially that is when you're a unit. Yeah, that's like, like it's you're going to be more of a unit then. But and a lot of people are going to place that mar- milestone at marriage. Um I don't know, my views are kind of weird on this, but I feel like children is like there is now a very strong physical real world reason that exists beyond the bounds of a government ledger or yeah. a promise between people and you know people out there are going to think I'm crazy for like <laughs> downplaying those but when there's a kid it's like it's a real person yeah. that is dependent on you yeah there's a very blatant reason to pull
1: resources together yeah. and balance things a little differently so i
0: totally get that but
1: what i want financially in- included it, what i'm trying to say is that if she left me tomorrow and she wanted to or i got hit by a bus or i a swooping pterodactyl combined with a hippopotamus which you is terrifying and What I want is that she wouldn't be like, "Uh uh-oh, I've forgotten all skills that I could use to make money and be independent again. So now I guess I'm completely just ruined until I can find somebody else to take care of me. That's not what I want. Even if I am taking care of her right now or Mm -hmm. in any situation, what I want is that if I wasn't,
0: she wouldn't be helpless. Yeah,
1: I should never leave her helpless because she wasn't helpless before. So that Mm -hmm. would be worse than we started.
0: Yeah, and I, I feel the exact same way as you. And it is why I encouraged Anna to have a job because like financially we could, we could survive off my income. We could do that whole thing, but we don't have kids and I felt that it would be great for her to build professional experience and build that ability to be independent if need be.
1: Well, see, that's useful because then what if they secretly, what if your significant other secretly wants to break up with you? They're not happy, but they're also like. What am I going to do? This is the this is the only thing I can do. I can't afford to leave. Yeah. Now you're both trapped in a relationship that they know they don't want and you don't know that you don't want because if you knew it was broken, you'd be like, well, it's probably a better idea to just like you should end it at that point. Right. You shouldn't just have one of you invested in the other broken, helpless. Mm -hmm. So. I always want to be in a relationship by choice. There should never be like Ashley stays with me because she feels she's forced to right now.
0: Yeah. What are your views on marriage in that regard then? Um, I don't have very strong views on marriage. Um,
1: It's a thing, I guess. If we were married, I would still want to encourage her to be a capable, independent-minded person. Yeah. And if we had kids or something, obviously uh, we would be working on that together. Mm -hmm. But I would still want it to be the situation that if I got hit by a bus, it would be okay. Yeah. Somehow.
0: Yeah, I feel like if Anna and I were married, uh, I, I would have that same mindset. I would also get life insurance. Yeah. Because
1: at that yeah, point, yeah, things
0: like that—that like that is a—that is a thing you can set up that will actually provide. Because then for you somebody. then you're
1: saying if I do get hit by a bus, here's a very literal thing that yeah. makes sure you're not helpless at first.
0: Yeah, I think like all the all the 18 year old people are listening to this like, like what, are you, what are they talking about life insurance? <laughs> but. Uh, I do think that the moment you have somebody in your life that does start to become somewhat dependent, like that's when to think about it, yeah, because you never know how long you're gonna be around, yeah
1: but it's not like I'm trying to be like super hardcore about go make your own money and blah 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 because blah, I don't really yeah. care about money to be honest what i what I care yes. about is that she is a person that exists separate from me, and that and that applies to separate things. Mm-hmm. I want her to go hang out with friends and people yes. I don't know. In fact, if she's frustrated with something I do, I want her to have friends that she can vent to. Mm-hmm. That's an important function. And then she can we can talk about it, obviously. We'll work on that together. But what if she just needs to blow off steam? What if she needs to go have a personality that doesn't feel like it's constantly being overshadowed? What if – because I'm a relatively talkative person in the right friend groups. Mm-hmm. So if she's not in the same friend group, what happens is she'll maybe by default end up my sidekick if I'm not careful. She'll just – I'll just talk and she won't say anything yeah that's unacceptable to me i want her to be able to feel like she can talk i want her to go find people that do not even know me she's her own person she's not just martin's girlfriend mm-hmm. and i don't want her to ever be viewed that way
0: now we've talked a lot about what we want and i think like that's a noble want to have but it is still something you want is yeah. do you know that that's what she wants as well yes okay so you guys I have actually that. like talked about these things yeah. Yeah. She's, she's excited about the idea of, of going
1: out to events and meeting people. And she does want that. Yeah. And we both want to make sure. And, and this keeps things exciting as well, because when you've been together this long, it, it would be easy to have nothing to say, especially because right now we're both working in sort of a mostly just remote sort of way. And yeah, that means that if we don't intentionally go out and have our own days, what are we going to share with each other? Mm hmm. Hey, you fr- remember that time it's the good. fridge was broken this morning? Yeah, I was there. <laughs> There's nothing. Is that the conversation that I want to be having? Like, yeah, exactly. I want to be like, what did you do? Oh, I went and met this person and it was really cool. And then I saw this dog and it was the cutest dog I've ever seen in my life. Let me tell you about it. Mm-hmm. I-, I want like, because before you live together, it's easier to maintain that. You have separate lives. You come together on purpose. Yeah. And that's another one of those intentional things. I want to live with intent, but yeah. I also want to be in a relationship with intent. Yep. We are together when we choose to be, mm-hmm. but we should also have time to be independent so that we're not just together by default. Because if it's by default, it will start to lose value.
0: Yeah, exactly. So I, I want to get into some other things. I want to talk about like what causes people to break up, what you can do to get ahead of that. I want to talk about some mistakes and things. Um, we have a sponsor this week, Ooh. and because we don't do cool jingle music... And have like a hard segue. I don't want to get into like really heavy yeah, stuff Yeah, yeah, before doing do, that. Do, 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 do. Sponsor yeah, exactly. time. Sponsor time. Look, There's the I jingle. Have a I just made it up. That's a pretty good jingle. You got to copyright that thing. Yeah. Anyway, guys. Uh, We have a new sponsor this week on the podcast, and that sponsor is Storyblocks. So I'm pretty excited about this sponsor because they are essentially a subscription service that lets you download unlimited stock photos, textures, icons, tons of graphic design assets and photos, which as a YouTuber and kind of a graphic, I don't want to say I'm a graphic designer. 'Cause I don't want Anna to watch this podcast and get mad. At me. <laughs> well, there goes that relationship. <laughs> she gets vehement that I am not a graphic designer. Though I heard that you were an art director once actually. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, your job, you know. I'm good at everything. Directing art within those Linux terminals. Something like that. <laughs> um, but I have had to do a lot of design over the last seven years of running College Info Geek for featured images, for blog posts, um, you know, infographics I've designed, logos, headers, and in my YouTube videos. So I honestly think that one of the reasons that my YouTube videos have done well is that I've been able to put lots of cool graphics and references and photos in there that make it more exciting than just me talking to you for eight minutes straight with really no editing. And I think most people would agree with yeah. that. The problem is it's hard to find good images online that you have the legal right to use all the time. So yeah, often have to go buy stock photos. And with most stock websites, you have to buy them by the photo for sometimes exorbitant amounts of money. I remember Anna sent me a text the other day because she works at a graphic design place. Yeah. And they wanted her to put like this old timey boxer on a label. And then she was like looking for a high res version of it. And the only one she could find, they wanted like 150 bucks for the high-res version of it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, don't use that. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you can find a public domain version. you know. And for old-timey photos, there's tons of public domain stuff out there. But for newer stuff or for icons or for textures that you can use to make backgrounds cool, those can be harder to find in public domain. And that's where Storyblocks comes in. Because for one yearly fee, you basically subscribe and you get unlimited access to their member library with over 400,000 design assets that you can download to your heart's content, use unlimited, and you can use them commercially and in personal projects. So if you're a YouTuber like me, or if you're, I guess, podcasters don't really use art in their podcasts. If you were a blogger. On their their art, yeah, if you're a blogger or on your podcast art, you can use that stuff commercially, you can make money off of it, and you pay that just one low monthly price uh, for unlimited access, which is pretty sweet. The other cool thing that I really like about Storyblocks is in addition to the library of the stuff you can download unlimited amounts of there's also another thing called the marketplace and this is essentially another area where artists can go upload their work there's going to be millions of design assets there and you can buy those for a discounted price and 100 of the sales revenue from those purchases goes directly to the artists and that is a pretty sweet thing yeah i know other people that are friends of ours who have gone and worked uh, put their work up on other sites where they'll take like a 50 percent commission you know I mean, yeah, it's cool that you can have your art up on a site, but if they're taking a huge cut of the revenue you'd make, that's kind of a downer. So I think it's pretty sweet that Storyblocks is giving 100% of that sales revenue to the artists in the marketplace. So if you are a YouTuber like me, or maybe if you're building a website and you want some cool little icons, in fact, like on our resources page, you can see there's these cool little icons on each of the menu items yeah. Um, we had a lot of fun designing those. That you can go over to storyblocks.com slash collegeinfogeek. And for those of you listening here that can't see the URL, it's dot com slash collegeinfogeek. And that'll get you a seven-day free trial where you can download as many images as you want, try it out, and see if you like it. So definitely check that out. We'll have that link in the description down below or in the show notes for this episode. And thanks to Storyblocks for sponsoring this episode. Boom. Is it B-L-O-C-K-S dot com? Did I not spell it right? I don't think you pluralized it. B-L-O-C-K-S. Blocks. Yeah. Did I say C-K? Put put an S (laughs) on the end of that. (laughs) Oops. Yeah, professional podcaster over here. Okay. So I had a question for you. Okay. Here it comes. What are some things or what's one thing that you realized that you have been doing wrong in your relationship at any point? Wrong. Oh, nothing. Nothing at all? I'm oh, great. Well, there, I guess that's the number one tip I'm then. Great. Be
1: perfect. Um, no. Okay. So this this is actually a more of a recent thing oh, that yeah? I've been trying to work on since, okay. since moving to Denver. And it'll make sense why in a second. But I think that when there's a problem that comes up, not not in the relationship necessarily, but maybe, but like we moved to Denver. Obviously, there's a lot of stuff involved in there. I feel like I'm busy all the time. She feels like she's busy all the time. There are so many things to solve. Mm-hmm. It becomes easy in that moment, and it's not actually, its not like settling per se because you're working on something. But it is easy in that situation to forget to go do like the fun stuff and mm-hmm. make time for it because you're like, well, we can do that. We'll get back to a normal life right after we're finished with this. Yeah, And I think that I have this problem occasionally where I'll think like that. I can get back to a normal life after I solve this problem. We're working on it.
0: But the thing is, there always is one. There's like always another something problem that comes, comes up, And yeah. I used to
1: be better at this. It's just the Denver move was particularly big comparatively. Yes. But there's always going to be some sort of life situation that maybe inconveniences something that you want to do. Mm-hmm. And this year, I've been trying to get back into let's do fun stuff more often. Because too often am I like, we can do stuff this evening or we can do stuff next or tomorrow evening. What happens? I end up tripped up on something I'm supposed to solve or I'm working or it's something, and then it becomes tomorrow. And you just can't you can't procrastinate that stuff. Yeah. So I think that in the past, one of the situations and early in the relationship was that she worked nights. Yes. She worked from like three PM to like midnight, and it was like a forty five minute commute. And that was so tough. basically I would only see her for – during the week for like a half hour because – or the time of us falling asleep and us us waking up in the morning. Mm-hmm. And that would be it. And I mean I stayed up and didn't sleep enough so that I could see her for that small amount of time. But that made things difficult. But we didn't just say, let's not have fun until you figured out this job thing. Yeah. We said Saturdays, we're not working. Saturdays are a fun day. Nothing interrupts them. No freelance work. No projects. This is basically our date day. And it may sound somewhat cold or robotic to schedule your relationship. I can understand why that doesn't sound cool or fun. But we talk about scheduling and maintaining all of these stupid productivity things like your little projects. Mm -hmm. But if you don't care enough about your significant other to treat them just as seriously as you do your little side projects, like it's a sign of respect that you care enough to make sure it's working and not just let it accidentally fall away. It doesn't mean that – wow, you wouldn't hang out with her unless you scheduled it? No, I was making sure.
0: You're making time for
1: I it. would have, but yeah. maybe I would have accidentally been busy one Saturday and we would have went a whole week without doing anything. Mm-hmm. So there's always going to be a situation like that. And I think it's important to make the best of those situations. Yeah. And as far as life is concerned, this also applies to me because I was thinking about it semi-recently. Sometime in the last month I was getting real nostalgic and I was like, Why am I nostalgic about this? That area of time was bad. It was filled with horrible things. But the things I remember most are the little things, the little simple pleasures and the ways we made the most of like a a bad situation. Mm -hmm. The Saturdays that we had fun and when I would I would take a really long lunch break and like bring her something nice to drink on her tiny 10 minute break and then drive like 40 minutes back to my work. So I drove like an hour and a half to see her for 10 minutes. Those Mm -hmm. little things, making the most of the bad situations are the most nostalgic things to me. It's never Mm -hmm. even the fully good times that I think about as much as those. I think about, remember that time that I was horribly injured, but like we went to the park a lot. That was fun. Mm -hmm. Like it's the little things, and I think it's important to do that. And I'm working on doing that better now. Moving felt like such a big but temporary adjustment that I thought it would be, oh, back to normal life really fast. I didn't think it would take so long. And now that it's yeah. clearly taken a little bit, I'm accepting that I need to get back into the, I'll just accept that I'm busy for a while now. Mm-hmm. Mindset.
0: You know, it's kind of funny how people so readily accept the whole, it doesn't belong in your head, it belongs in a system you trust mantra for anything productivity related. Yeah. But then the moment you talk about it in terms of a relationship, there's like this stigma of, oh yeah, you're, you're being a cold robot. You're scheduling your relationship. You have to remind yourself that your yeah. wife has a birthday or sounds something It like sounds like you're that. forcing it. Yeah. But I would challenge anybody who thinks that to ask themselves, like, how often have you forgotten something that you meant to do with somebody that you care about? Or think of somebody that you maybe haven't talked to in a while. Wouldn't have, wouldn't have been better for both of you if you did do that. So if a system allows you to do that more frequently then I think this is one of those cases where the ends justify the means just fine. And do you know my friend Tyler DeVoren at all? Um, I, I recognize the name. You probably recognize I don't his, his know Trello why. system yes. more than his name. Yes, I know so that. So my friend Tyler had a system. I, I can't remember what he called it. It was like the introvert's friend game or something like that. Yeah, I actually tried using it once. Did you? Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll explain it for the people at home and then you can tell me if it worked or not for you. So a bit, uh, basically in Trello, he would set up A list for each uh, month so you know January February March and the leftmost list was the most recent uh, recent month so then he made a card in Trello for every single one of his friends and he would put them in the month that was the last time he talked to them so that way he could set a little reminder to go look at the friend list and see oh I haven't talked to Jim in like four months so I'm just gonna text him something or I'm just gonna call him up. Just do something random. Yeah. Um and, and in fact, actually, yesterday, my friend Antonio Centeno, who runs the Real Men Real Style channel, just called me. And I was like, Oh, Antonio's calling. He must want to talk about the conference coming up in a few months or business or something. And it's like, nope. He was just driving home and he's just like, I'm gonna call Thomas and talk for a while. And I was like really impressed by that. And I was like, that's that's our, honestly something I think we have lost, maybe in our generation. We'll like tweet people and We'll leave comments on Facebook posts, but we often don't call our friends who aren't like super close and just talk for a while.
1: Yeah. We're comfortable leaving it at a shallow level of contact because
0: that's like what the internet allows first. Mm -hmm. And you were telling me this the other day. You've moved to Denver and you honestly feel more isolated than you did before because a lot of your friends are back home and a lot of our friends here are working. We only get to see them like once every what two weeks maybe. Yeah. And it's like, okay, so I can hang out with my girlfriend. Maybe I hang out with Tom every day. But other than that, it's like I feel a little isolated. I think a lot of people as they get older, they feel that because they get so involved in their job and their their core relationships that they never really make time to reach out to anybody else and just kind of create those touch points. Yeah. And when nobody's doing that, then – you are both the person who is not making the outreaches, but you're also the person feeling like, man, I just haven't heard from my friends in a really long time.
1: Yeah. And you're like, we live 15 minutes away. That's not that far. We'll we'll visit all the time. Yeah. But it seems to be really easy when you fall into a routine to not even like half the time. I don't know what day of the week it is. Mm-hmm. I'll completely. Oh, it's been it's been like three weeks since that. I thought that was a couple of days ago. Yeah, that's weird. Time mm-hmm. is all messed up now. When you, when you get into a routine, it's hard to notice.
0: Yeah, Oh, man, I haven't seen that person in five months. Yeah. Sorry. No. <laughs> uh,
1: I I want to say I didn't
0: notice, but that sounds worse somehow. Time just it just slips by. I'll say something to Anna and I'll be like, Anna, I told you that two weeks ago. And she's like, no, you didn't. And she'll go find the text. And it was like three months ago or something. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess this is like a life pro tip for any relationship, not just a romantic one. When you get older, you have to be the person who sets things up, who reaches out and talks to people, who is the Antonio who calls me at 3 p.m. on a Monday just for no reason. And when you become that kind of a person, you'll start to realize oh, now I have all these great active friendships and I'm talking to all these people. It's because when both people in a relationship, no matter how close the relationship is, are not actively reaching out and making things happen, then they're both isolated. Yeah. And they're both feeling bad that the other person isn't doing it. And nothing is going to change until one of those people decides to take action. Yeah. And my philosophy is like, you have to be that person. Don't rely on the other person to do it. Especially in those further away relationships, because that person doesn't really have a social obligation to do it to you. Yeah, and they don't
1: have a visu- visual reminder. Like you, exactly. you don't pass them. They're not driving past your work or something or, or walking past you on the way to class. Mm-hmm. They're not going to be like, oh, yeah, Jimmy. What's up, Jimmy? They're just... They are busy. They have things to think about. They have projects they're working on. They have work to do. They have classes to take. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily even a sign of anything bad that they didn't think of you throughout the day. But it's hard to think of things without a real reminder.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I think this concept applies to romantic relationships as well. Obviously, you are near each other more often. If you live together, you see each other like every single day. But that's like the base level. And when you're at that base level, you can feel just as isolated as you do with regards to the friend who's in another state that you haven't heard from from two months. Sure, your girlfriend's around, but maybe you feel like, I really feel like she's kind of checked out or she hasn't really done anything so special not, for me not in a while. really there. Yeah. And then you have to ask yourself, like, well, what have I done recently that has been above baseline? Have I you know, planned a date night or done something to surprise her or cooked her dinner or something like that. Like, it's so easy, like you said, to get into that routine that you both operate at baseline, especially if you're the kind of people who are independent. I think this is actually a pitfall that people like you and me can fall into because we view relationships as like that Venn diagram where there's the crossover, but there's also the the independent circles over here. Yeah, Anna and I are like this where we can get so caught up in our things that we can go weeks on end without really interacting with each other. Like, well, I think we have like a lot of the bases checked. There are some rules I put in place for myself that I want to talk about that keep us like at a baseline that might be better than if we didn't do those things. But we might not have like a day night for a while. Or we might like not just sit on the couch and watch TV together because she's working on her YouTube channel or customizing something and I'm like playing Overwatch or working on a project or playing guitar. And we're like both happily doing our own thing but then we realize like we haven't really sat down and really listened to each other for a while yeah so again you have to be the kind of person and for anybody out there thinking i'm saying like you have to give everything in the relationship you have to be the person who is like giving more and the other person can just take it realize that i don't know who you are i could just as easily be talking to your girlfriend or your boyfriend so that's true you have to ask yourself like I'm going to be this kind of a person. I'm going to improve myself and set these rules up and try to do everything that I can. But there is also an obligation for the person that I am sharing my life with to have the same mindset. Yeah. If they have a mindset, if I'm just going to soak it up and take it, then you're about the wrong person. Yeah. If if
1: you decide to check back in, you're no longer just kind of a ghost living in the same house with somebody, mm-hmm. but they refuse to do the same after you've continued to reach out, then yeah.
0: like that's not going to feel good naturally. Now, we have to put a caveat here. We can't move on before we before we put a caveat on this. If you listen to an episode like this or you read a book that gets you all fired up and you're like, I'm going to go make all these improvements and you make them right away and your significant other does not rise to the challenge right away, you can't give them the boot before you've oh, given no, them the chance no, Don't, don't to catch up. Don't be
1: inspired by this podcast to randomly dump somebody. Because something we said made them sound imperfect. Yeah. And
0: you and I know this is a pitfall because we've had people email us and they're just like, man, I'm getting all these productivity habits and stuff from reading your blog. But I feel like my friends aren't productive. Should I stop yeah. being friends with yeah, them and I go find more friends. productive people? And I'm like, no. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No. Whoa, I'm not trying to kill you, kill your youth here. Don't be friends with toxic people. But it's okay if you're friends with people who don't have the same level of drive as you do. Yeah. As long as you have additional relationships that nourish that part of you as well. Yeah. And if you're in a relationship with somebody, obviously you're not going to have multiple relationships unless you're polyamorous. But if you're not, you do have to wait for that person, you know, you have to give them a little bit of time to build up. They might not be the same as you, but maybe they want to try. Yeah. So you have to discern whether that's like this person really doesn't care or it's just gonna take a while to change their habits. Yeah. You just might be the kind of person who changes their habits more easily. Yeah, or maybe they're going through something. So they're like busy. Mm-hmm.
1: Like or they might be more They're support. mentally or emotionally somewhere else, and they're like, "I'd love to give back, but I, I just can't yet. I've yeah, really exactly. got to work on this. Help me work through this.
0: And once I'm through this, it'll be great later." Like, I, I mean, know. you've gone through things that have like emotionally consumed you. Yeah. And if Asher to be like, "Hey, I really want to start running every single day," and if you say no. Then clearly you don't care about well, like, the improvement of our relationship. Like you have to consider the context and what yeah. the other person's going through. Like when my
1: hands weren't working right, she wasn't like, "You don't do anything fun anymore, loser." How come you don't drive us anywhere special? Because I, because I can't hold the steering wheel for long enough. I'm in pain. Yeah. Well, what do you not love me anymore? Like yeah. that
0: would be ridiculous. Sometimes there's a situation you got to get through. Yeah, Exactly. So I just I want to put that out there. Like if you love the person you're with, you won't disqualify them just because you've had a change of heart and they're not catching up as fast as you'd like them to. And you know what? Maybe they never will and you have to make the decision for yourself. I know that um, you. I am a very exercise-minded person. Like yeah. I love to challenge myself athletically. I'll have to go climb bigger and better mountains and try to push myself with cycling and do all these things. That's me in a nutshell. And Anna is not the kind of person who is going to decide independently to go exercise like I do. She's not like, I'm going to go put in 30 miles on the bike on her own. She just isn't like that. But the key thing is she's willing to go exercise with me if I provide the motivation. So it's like, that's not a deal breaker. I can't expect you to be the same. In fact, this is, I think this is one of the biggest lessons I learned. Um, I had a big conversation with my dad about this a couple of years ago where he was like, you just because you are the way you are does not mean that you need to be with somebody who is exactly the way you are in every dimension. Compatibility does not mean that you're checking a box, like every single box you've checked is the same box that they've checked. Compatibility means the boxes that are most important, you check those, and you have to make decisions going from there. And there are going to be dimensions of yourself that are not reflected in the person you've chosen to be with. And that does not mean you shouldn't be with them. And, you know, two dudes on the internet can't tell you which dimensions are going to be disqualifiers and which are not. Oh, no. But you have to make the decision. You have to be compassionate. And you have to realize that just because I'm a productivity crazy nut that likes to go climb mountains doesn't mean I have to be dating one. If you want to, go ahead. But it doesn't mean that you should dump your girlfriend just because she doesn't want to climb the same number of vertical feet as you yeah, do. Yeah, it's like an unfair expectation. Yeah. The
1: same is true if you, like, make your make a wish list. This is what I want my significant other to have.
0: Oh. Yes. They're perfect,
1: but if if their hair was a little shorter, uh, then maybe it could work. But yeah. you didn't you didn't check every box. So get out of here. Mm-hmm. Like you you got to be a little forgiving on the less important things.
0: Yeah, exactly. So I want to um I want to talk about a few mistakes I've made that I've luckily been able to rectify. Yeah. Uh, and like you, like we just said, like you can't expect your partner to be the same as you. So one thing that came up in a conversation, a hard conversation between me and Anna at one point, is she said, you hardly ever take my side in an argument when I'm arguing with somebody else. And for the longest time, I would always tell myself, it's like, well, when I don't take your side, it's because the other person's side is more logical or... It's just a better <laughs> argument and I don't want to like give you an unfair advantage because you're my girlfriend and she would say like I'm your girlfriend you should support me and I always like wrestled with that like do I just unfairly support her even if she's wrong but then we we would contrast it to arguments between other friends or like maybe we talk about something somebody we know is doing and it's it's wrong or it's bad or that's a habit they need to they need to kick. And I would often say like, oh, well, maybe they're going through a hard time in their life right now. Or maybe they just, they don't have the same advantages that I have. And I wouldn't give that same compassion to Anna when it comes to things that I felt that she needed to improve on. So eventually I realized I'm holding you to the same standard I hold myself to just because I'm dating you. And Mm -hmm. I don't hold my friends to that same standard. So it's almost like I've built this expectation in my mind that if you're going to be with me, you have to be to the same standard that I hold myself to. And that's not fair. Yeah, because naturally you're gonna hold yourself to a higher standard. Exactly. Yeah. Whenever because you're that kind of person. Because I'm not the kind of person who makes an excuse in my head whenever I'm having a hard time. I'm the kind of person who's like, okay, Tom, what are you doing wrong? You got to figure this out. You, obviously, you're doing this and you need to make a change. But you can't apply that to the other person. For one, they don't always need just a solution handed to them or to be, you know, pinpointed what they're doing wrong. Sometimes they need some compassion and they need some comfort. They need some support. So I've had to tell myself, okay, when there's an argument, don't hold Anna to my standard because I will beat myself up more than is probably healthy. Yeah. And I can't do that to her. No. That doesn't work at all. Um, And on a similar note, now this is something I learned far before I started dating Anna and it was very helpful to learn. And I think this is something that a lot of, I think a lot of guys have this problem. Uh, The problem is, you know, girls might have this problem too, but I I honestly think more guys than girls have this problem where their significant other will come to them with a problem, they're having a crappy day at work or something went wrong, and the immediate thing in your head is, well, here's how to fix that. Oh, that is the stereotype. Boom, solution. I honestly think guys do that more than girls do. I do. And in that moment, because you are the person they love the most, that is not what they want from you. They want you to say that sucks or man, I'm really sorry that happened. Let's go watch Parks and Rec for five hours and eat popcorn and we can deal with it tomorrow.
1: Yeah. Unless they're specifically looking for advice or yes. that's the mindset they're in. You you don't want advice if you weren't
0: mentally looking for it, mm-hmm.
1: like regardless of how good it is.
0: Yeah. So if they come to you and they're like, I don't know how to fix this problem. Can you help me? They have just asked you for a solution. Now you can provide it. Yeah. But if they just say, I'm really mad because this person said this, or I'm really sad because this happened at work, don't provide a solution right away. It's not what they want. They can't even fix the problem right now anyway. Yeah. So just comfort them and be like, yeah, that sucks. Take their side for a while. Yeah. If you're just and like, then, we'll do this. Well, yeah, I'll
1: try that, but that doesn't help with the moment.
0: Yep. You know, so my brain if I were if I were listening to a podcast like this, my brain would go, "Yeah, but what if they never want to solve the problem and I just have to constantly provide support forever and I'm constantly enabling them to do the stupid thing they're doing?" Again, there's a balance to be struck there. If you are the person who is constantly providing support and you see that they're never improving, then maybe it's time to get tough. Yeah, well, in those situations, it's going to be a lot better to have an honest conversation, but you
1: can't have a conversation or give advice or do these kind of things. That that dialogue mm-hmm. belongs in a different context when they're emotionally calm. When you're emotionally calm, yeah, you don't want to talk about things that would be better served with a level head when you're stressed or emotional or, or a problem went wrong. Yeah, exactly. And I know that, that that happens with me all the time. There are certainly times where I'm not ready to solve the problem and I just need to like chill, meditate for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, okay, how can I make sure that doesn't happen tomorrow? Let's think about this. Yeah, but if you get me in the middle of the problem, I don't want to hear that. I'm freaking <laughs> yeah, exactly. out. Exactly, I'm freaking out. I'm
0: not ready for this. Give mm-hmm. me a few minutes. Yeah, you got to give people some time to just climb out of that valley of sadness, get a clear head, and be receptive to any solutions. Yeah, that you might have. You know, and then in that case, it's always like, "Hey, how can we do this?" Not you need to do this. But oh, yeah, you're not you're not supposed you, to be their
1: dad. Don't be their dad unless that's what they want. You know, whatever.
0: That, that actually is a pretty good segue into the next thing. Oh, good. Okay. I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> Not their dad, but another thing that I have learned is there are different types of relationship dynamics, and it is based on what each person wants. And by that, I mean it is. okay to have a completely egalitarian relationship where both people come together and they make the decisions together. And it is also 100% okay to have a relationship where one person is the leader and they make decisions and the other person follows. Both are completely legitimate relationship dynamics if both people want that. Oh, yeah. So I think this is another thing that a lot of guys these days struggle with because there's all this stuff going around about like how everything has to be equal. And I think a lot of guys are stepping on eggshells with girls. And they're just like, they're afraid to to be assertive, to be really confident. And you know what? I want to apply this to both genders, but this is just, again, through my lens with my relationship. I find that when I am more assertive and confident and decisive, as long as I'm keeping Anna's best interests in mind, and I'm making sure to communicate with her and give her the ability to make decisions if she wants to. And she trusts that I am making decisions that matter for her and that aren't just like leaving her in the dust. She likes that more than if I'm always like pausing to be like, well, what do you think on every little thing? So for
1: like a very common and trivial example, this is like, if both of you are just like, yeah, I don't know where I want to eat. Where do you want to eat? Then that's really dumb. It is. Somebody needs to just suggest something. Exactly.
0: In almost every case, it works out better if I just say, I want to go to Ophelia's or I want to go to, what's that sushi place that we go to? Kobeon." Kobeon, yeah. I want to go there. And if she says no, I'm like, okay, well, do you have a place in mind you want to go to? But it almost always works better if I ended up being decisive and going to the place. Well, that sounds like. It creates a plan that gets people excited rather than being like, I don't know, I just want to do something.
1: Uh, you've just handed me choices i wasn't ready to make mm-hmm. but it when you do that it's kind of like how if you want to make a decision and you don't know which one you want try to flip a coin and if you're disappointed when heads comes up you know that's not the one you want just go with tails
0: yeah yeah so if you if you say um, you know i want to go somewhere and your girlfriend's like i don't want to go there well obviously well, now you can now have a you know. discussion
1: you've made yes. it easier for them to know
0: do they want to go there mhm
1: no no you said let's go there and i i felt no
0: Yeah, exactly. Now, all of these things that I have learned—the solutions versus comforting thing, the relationship dynamics, um, the why isn't she giving me attention—all these things—it comes back to the number one thing, which is that when you're in when you're in a relationship, you have to have honest and frequent communication. I think this is the thing that people fail at the hardest. They don't communicate. Um, in fact, I honestly, I, at one point in my life, I broke up with a girl because I had like built up all these things in my mind, but we never had the hard discussion about it before. I was just like, I came to the conclusion, like I have to break up with her, you know? And in hindsight, I'm glad that I did because we weren't right for each other, but I'm not proud of the way that I did it because we never had this comment. We never had the hard, just not a MySpace comment. didn't do that. <laughs> so we, very fortunate. we are done. <laughs> Broken heart. We over. Yeah. Sorry. No, we didn't do that. I went to our apartment. We had a discussion about it, but it was, okay. the dis- discussion started with, we need to break up and that was the wrong way to do it. Um, so I went to an event a couple of weeks ago in New York City, put on by this company called Intercom. And I don't know if I talked about it in this podcast. Sorry for repeating myself if I did. But the I think it was the founder of the company was giving a talk, and he was talking about you're gonna have employees who are not either in the right role or they're not performing to the standard that you want them to perform at. Now the right way to handle this kind of a situation is to talk with them frequently and have the hard discussions. Be able to say this is hard as a person who employs people. This is hard. It is very difficult to come to somebody who you like and say. You're not performing up to the standards that we need. You're not doing your job. Yeah. Because you don't want to feel like a jerk. You know, and this person's a nice person. You don't want to hurt their feelings, but you have to do it because the alternatives are worse. First alternative is you just fire them. You read one of those management books. that's like you got to get the right people on the bus and get the wrong people off the bus right away. You fire them without any communication. They don't know what they did wrong or they never had any chance to fix it. So that makes you a stupid manager. Or number two, you never want to confront the situation. So you just let them continue to toodle along in their role that they're not good at, they're not performing at for the best years of their career. They're wasting them. And not only are they wasting the best years of their career, but the fact that they're in the wrong position or maybe they're the wrong person for the team is going to hurt the culture in your company as well. Everyone loses. Everyone loses. Um, There was another talk that I went to the founder of Patreon he talked about how he didn't have the guts to fire somebody who was not good at their job and also didn't fit in with the culture, like was a jerk or something like that. He didn't have the guts to fire this person. So he waited for like a year to do it, finally did it. And then once he did it, he had employees come to him and they were like, why didn't you do that sooner? We were miserable working with this guy. And I think he actually said that he had people quit wow, because of this guy, because they refused to take care of the problem. So the people left because they didn't want to be part of it and they didn't have any control to fix it. It was Jack's job to fix it. He was alone with control. So that is the kind of mindset I think you need to take with a relationship. Um, before you decide that it's over or if you are going to take the opposite tack and just decide that it's, it's fine, it's whatever, be willing to have the hard conversations and have them early and often because the earlier you have them, the less hard they are because if you wait now there's like resentment building up. Like, why didn't you mention this earlier? Why did you let me go so long thinking this was fine? Yeah. If you get into it early, you just, it could be little things like, Hey, I think you're, you know, being a little bit messy. Can you please clean up your stuff more often or bigger issues? Like, I don't know. Like you you look at other guys or something like that. You know, like you have to address those things and talk through them. And when you do, like you will grow much closer. Not only will you potentially solve the problems, you know, maybe you won't and it's not the right relationship, but if you're in the right relationship, you'll solve the problems, but you grow so much closer and you end up trusting each other. Well, and if you get to that
1: stuff early on, then what's going to happen is you can build sort of a, a relationship subculture
0: mm-hmm.
1: of being willing to continue talk about different problems similar in the future. You're like, it would have been hard to say this, but we talk about this kind of stuff. Yeah. They're willing to listen to me just say, hey, just so you know, um, this isn't a big deal. It's not your fault. But I hate it when the shoes are over there. Can Mm -hmm. can we just move this? But if that's the first like conflict thing you bring up, it's stressful. But if it's like the 10th thing and you've solved and handled everything else really well and you know it's going to be fine, it's not going to be that stressful anymore. You're just like, hey, I figured out a way we can improve this relationship. Mm -hmm. Let's do more fun stuff or let's clean better or let's cook together or this isn't working, but I respect you enough for like another goal that I have in relationships. And it is basically that if we ever have to break up, it's in a situation where at least, you know, a week or two after it feels okay. We can it feels mutual enough. We're both good. No one's left. Like, why did that happen to me? It's it's like, hey, we were both honest enough that we both know what happened. We both know what was best. Yeah. And we did it. And if you're up front, whether you're going to stay together or you're not and you're going to solve problems or you're just going to say that problem's not important and if that's a deal breaker, uh, you know what? I've just put your shoes where I will learn to stop <laughs> caring about it. Yeah. Then if you do that frequently enough, it won't be so hard to talk about that. Mm-hmm. And that's a great skill to have because otherwise – if you're together long enough, you're just going to – wow, now I have 30 years of problems and I'm yeah. just going to be really mad at you when I'm 40 and you're going to be like, why are you so mean all the time? Because I never told you you ruined my life so far
0: and I I didn't have the guts to do it. Now, now I'm 40. Yep. Like, you, And then you turn into that grandmother who has kids who never call. Yeah, they never call. You got
1: to – You start now, and it will be easy to maintain this healthy sort of conflict-resolving
0: mindset going forward. It's an important dimension of trust because there's different types of trust. I would trust you to catch me if I was falling, or I trust you to not blow up if we bring up an issue. You shouldn't have to walk on eggshells all the time around each other. You should be able to talk candidly. And Anna and I have learned this. Uh, In fact, there have been two times in our relationship where we've nearly broken up. And both times were, I would say, my fault. And it was it was not my fault in like I did something and she wanted to break up with me. It was more like my fault in that I let things that I didn't like start to spiral in my head mm. and didn't communicate them and then sort of like lost my passion for the relationship. Didn't break up with her, but like it kind of, it would eventually come to a head where she'd be like, are you even into this? And the, so the first time I was younger and stupider and I think we ended up like taking a break for a day and then we came back and we were like, we don't want to break up, had to talk about it. The second time actually happened sort of recently. Um, but we didn't do it that way. It was more of like a, what what's going wrong in this relationship? And she like straight up asked me, she was like, tell me the things you don't like about me. Like just straight up say them. And I I hate having to say those kind of things. Like I, I hate... The idea of hurting somebody by saying something hurtful is just awful. It's like the most repulsive thing. But breaking up would be worse. Yeah, it seems easier because you're just like, oh, we're just separating. I don't have to say any of those hurtful things. But it's it's worse. It's so much worse. Yeah, especially when it, it doesn't been even five years. teach you to solve things. That's just running from problems. Exactly. And so one thing I realized is, I'm the kind of person who will see a small trend and extrapolate it to the moon. Yeah. So yeah, you know, I do for example, sometimes. it's like. Two days in a row you didn't work out. It's like, oh, you're never going to work out again. You're going to become lazy, and I'm, it's going to be horrible. It's like, no, maybe there's something else going on. Or maybe people will change when they're given a reason to change. Yeah. And it's not me trying to sound like force you to do things that I want you to do, but people often realize they should be doing things. They'll get into patterns. They know it's unhealthy, but there's really no impetus for change. Did you ever read about the Rhode Island Hospital? No. It was in The Power of Habit. I'm not sure if you've read The Power I have not read that book. I've skimmed parts of it. So there was this hospital in Rhode Island where um, basically lots was going wrong. The doctors had a ton of hubris. They wouldn't listen to the nurses. They wouldn't go through checklists. And they kept doing like, they like kept screwing up surgeries. And like people were dying. I think I know this from a different book. So, oh, it might've been in Essentialism. That's I can't cool. remember. Good anecdote. But uh, I think there was like this expose done on it. And it was like boom. Now there's a reason to change because now the public scrutiny is on you. Uh, Rahm Emanuel, who was, I believe, Barack Obama's advisor or had some cabinet S- position somewhere in there, he said, "Never waste a good crisis." And like he wasn't saying that in a heartless way, like, "Oh, don't you know, look at crises in an opportunistic way." It was more like a crisis always causes people to want to make changes. Uh, It's a motivator. Change makes people want to make changes. There's research that people tend to switch their breakfast cereal when they move to a new house. Like people don't break out of their routines unless they're given a reason to do so. And having a hard conversation like that is a reason to do so. Yeah. So, and you know, I got to say like Anna and I were like, we had a good relationship, but it was like a little bit like, like muted for a while. And then it was like muted. We had this dinner. And something came up in the conversation that was like she thought it might be a deal breaker one day. And then that ended up leading to like, you know, like, is this still working out? And I was just like unwilling to say the things that I wasn't happy with in relationship to until she finally just told me, like, say the things you're not happy with. And I said them and it was painful for like 20 minutes it sucked. And then we came home and we talked about it. We talked about ways to fix it. And then I said, okay what do you not like that I'm doing? And she candidly pointed out the things that I didn't like, or she didn't like that I was doing. And I was like, wow, you're right. And maybe some of the things I was doing was causing you to do the things you were doing. So maybe it was my fault yeah. in the first place. So those issues were aired out. The dirty laundry was aired out. And now it's like, okay, now we have a reason because we've grown closer. We now trust each other more. But now we have like this this event that's like we can look back on. And we're like, yeah, we want to improve from there. We don't want to go back to that muted Yeah. Time before that. It's like, let's make it so much better. And it's been so much better. Yeah. Like, I I feel like this has been some of the best time in our relationship for a long, long, long time because we had those hard conversations.
1: Well, those things are – they're really important to have. And as far as being willing to candidly say what you don't like about another person, I find that very important even on the other end of it Mm -hmm. because – Like I will feel a sort of bitterness or resentment if I find out you've hated this for like six months and you just let me make you unhappy every day. Why would you do that? Yeah. Just I don't want to make you angry every day. Mm -hmm. Just tell me to fix the problem before I feel like I'm ruining everything because you just didn't tell me. Like even if I'm the one causing the problem, I want to know or Mm -hmm. now you've caused a problem by refusing to tell me about a problem.
0: And I think this is something that we have to remind ourselves of because in the moment when it happens, it's really easy to rationalize not saying anything. Like oh, we yeah. usually don't say, I don't want to start an argument, so I'm not gonna say this. We usually say, it's not a big deal, or she's just tired today, or whatever it is. Like there's, there's always some reason in the moment. But they don't get that. They don't understand that you just had that little interaction in your head where you were annoyed and then rationalized it away. Eventually it comes to a head, then they realize, wow, well, you've been annoyed by this forever like you said yeah that sucks you're
1: like i've been happy for the last six months you've just been kind of bitter at me every day that's great to find out now that i have to go back and change the canon of our relationship Mm -hmm. i thought that was a good time but i guess it wasn't that's pretty frustrating because it feels like you're wasting time so the sooner you can get to a point where you're comfortable being candid Mm -hmm. like the better off you're
0: going to be yeah and i want to share something that has helped me with actually going through these tough conversations. Okay. Um or anything like this. I will mentally jump forward about an hour in the relationship when I'm considering my options. Okay. Because what that allows me to do is number one it allows me to realize that whatever pain or embarrassment or hard conversations we're going to have in an hour, it's probably going to be over. It's probably going to be fine. And number two, and this supports that conclusion, it allows me to ask myself, what do I need to do to ensure that in an hour we are closer and we're happy again? Mm. Because it, it becomes so easy to say you get in a fight with your girlfriend. Yeah, She says something that is hurtful to you. The first thing that comes to your head is a defensive, snippy answer. Maybe it's even like a better put down than she used. And you're just like, I'm going to win this interaction. (laughs) Yeah, this is a burn. It's a sick burn even. And then you use it and you're never happy because either she comes back with something even more poisonous or she cries. Either way, you're just like, oh, you just made it worse. What have I done? So I think like one of those things you should install in your brain and never take out is whatever you say Look forward a little bit in time and picture the scenario you want and say what it takes to get to there, not Mm. what your emotions say you should say right
1: now because you're angry. Will this brilliant subtweet make things better or, or farther away from what I want in an hour? Yeah, basically.
0: Yeah, subtweeting is a terrible idea. Don't do that. No, I do. Gonna find I do
1: it all the time. I just subtweet <laughs> about my girlfriend all the time, all day.
0: Directly address problems. Do not subtweet. <laughs> Actually, I think my last
1: tweet was about dad jokes. So if I'm subtweeting nice. about my girlfriend, then that's <laughs> our relationship is interesting.
0: Yeah, yeah. You shouldn't do that. So directly address those problems, but also address them in the way that guides you to where you want the relationship to be, because it is so easy to give in to what your emotions want you to say in the moment. Yeah, And I just I have been very well served by ignoring that. And I've also been very well served by, again, looking forward, asking myself, where do I want the relationship to be? And sometimes there's a thing I don't want to go do that I need to go do anyway. Like you got to go in there and comfort her, even though she's really mad at you, because if you don't, it's going to be worse. Yeah, You want to just like go watch TV and take your mind off of it for a while. But no, you got to go in there and deal with it. Yeah. Like there's 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 hard things you're going to have to do. And by picturing the future, it helps, I think. Yeah. I like that. I like the hour thing. hmm That's
1: good. It's close enough that you can actually picture it with relative accuracy. Yeah. You know, it's really hard to picture a week from now or a month from now or a year from now. But an hour from now, I can basically tell whether one or both of us is going to be happy or sad depending on what goes.
0: Mm-hmm. So the thing I want to end on, unless you have any additional thoughts here. I, I think I'm good. Okay. The last thing I want to talk about is consistency and thoughtfulness. So the reason your girlfriend fell in love with you is because there was a small period of time when you're getting to know each other and you were doing all these things that you wouldn't normally do. Right? Oh, yeah. You're like a salesman of yourself. You are a salesman of yourself. That is absolutely true. It true. You give
1: your best self for like the first Yep. A little bit. And then you're like,
0: <laughs> I got you. Now you've been suckered into this. Yep. All that stuff was fake. And I remember telling Anna when we first met and we were together for like the first month. I was like, I really don't want to become one of those couples that like farts in front of each other and does all that like gross stuff. And you know what? We totally do now. Totally fart in front of each other. Say la vie. But that is not the most important thing because what we still do is make sure to tell each other we love each other every single morning. And when I get out of bed, instead of checking my phone, I make sure to say good morning and give her a kiss or try to talk to her when she comes home from work. Like those are the thoughtful things that you need to be doing on a consistent basis. So many people think about, oh, I got to remember Valentine's Day or I got to come up with this crazy elaborate, you know, engagement thing where I have her name be spelled out in skywriting or laying on an island. And then like a crab comes up dancing, holding the wedding ring. Like, sure, do those things if you want to do them. I want a trained crab with a wedding ring. <laughs> All right. Stealing well, hey, it. That's our next video. I'm stealing it. i to train that. a crab for your great wedding proposal. Don't let your girlfriend watch this video. Yeah. Those things are cool, but they represent point like zero zero one of the time you share together. Yeah. What are you doing with the other 99.9%? Are you making sure to be consistently thoughtful and making sure to plan dates and making sure to communicate? Or are you just kind of, again, living life on that muted wavelength until pff, Valentine's Day. I did something thoughtful. Pff, check that off for the year. Yeah. All right. Back to playing video games and just doing my own thing. Yeah. Well, even outside
1: of a relationship, that's a good thing to think about for life. Because I like to think of it as my life and my happiness. How happy am I on an average weekday? How happy am I on just on a random Tuesday where nothing special is going on? My, I just go through my daily stuff. Do we go on a fun date? Do we make a dinner? What is the average day like? Because mm-hmm. the average day is more or less your life. Yes. The special events are such a small part of it that if you're counting on those to make up for like a very low quality average day, it won't because you're going to get a lot of joy on those days. Mm-hmm. But the consistent happiness in your life and in a relationship is – what does the average day do for you? Yeah. Is it good, bad, or completely ignored until a holiday tells you you're supposed to love somebody? Mm-hmm. Man, if I didn't have all these companies
0: telling me to buy fancy stuff, I would have forgot that I loved her. Whoops. <laughs> like, yeah, that's exactly. that's not how it should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, there are always going to be tough days, tough weeks sometimes, but yeah. keeping that ideal in your mind of making the average day better for him or better for yeah, her. the average should go, go up. Mm-hmm. I think that's a pretty good episode. Yeah. And obviously
1: cool. if there's, you can disagree with whatever, this is through our stuff. I would this love kind to hear of people's the,
0: opinions in the YouTube comments. This here. is
1: the, this is a hard kind of an episode to do because it requires a lot of candid thought, a lot of introspection. What mm-hmm. am I doing wrong? Uh, it's, you know, it's difficult. So hopefully you got something out of this.
0: Yeah. This would be like if there were one person sitting there and we knew who that person was, it would be a different conversation. Because we're like trying to, again, we're, we're being candid that this is coming through our perspective, but but we're trying to distill experience and then make it applicable to a big audience. And that's tough. You know what? And there's, there's beliefs that I apply to my own relationship that I'm not going to say apply universally to every other relationship. So yeah, we're trying to strike a balance. But if you're watching this on YouTube, or I mean, or if you're on the audio feed, you have access to our show notes, to our email, to whatever, let us know what you think. I think the YouTube comments are a great place for it though, because there's... Potential for Uh, discussion between lots of other people. Um, And thanks for listening this far in. I have no idea how long this episode is, but it felt like a pretty long one. Yeah, I don't know. It's a pretty good one, though. Um, This is episode 177, so you can go find the show notes at cigpodcast.com slash 177. Or if you're on YouTube, click the link in the description down below, and you can find links to anything we talked about and ways to rate and review this podcast on iTunes, which is a great thing to do if you want to support the show. Definitely helps us bump up the rankings and gets the show out to more people. So thank you if you do that. Um, One recommendation that I'm gonna give you guys, which we'll throw into the end card, is we have an episode that we did a while ago. I don't remember the number now, but it was an analysis on a book called The Art of Loving. Oh, yeah. So I would say that that is the closest episode to this one that we have done. And if you want to hear some more stuff about love and relationships through the eyes of a philosopher who's really famous, uh, then that's a pretty cool episode to check out. So check that out if you want. We'll have it in the show notes and we will see you guys next week. Stay cute.